Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Gateway to the Smokies. This podcast is about America's most visited national park, the Great Smokies National Park, and the surrounding towns. This area is rich uh, with the ancient natural beauty, deep storied history, and, 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 and deep mountain cultures that we explore with weekly episodes. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy a man of the world, but also with deep roots in these mountains. My family has lived in the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is in travel, but my heart is in mountain culture. Today, we're going to learn more about food and farm-to-table food in the Smokies, which is a long tradition. I'm gonna, but first, I'm going to do a little poetry and then maybe some recipes. So um, I'm, I, I was re- looking around looking for a... a something that talked about community because community is a big, important part of, uh, of, of, you know, farm to table culture. Um, and, and the growing up in the Smokies, you know, having, um, having a, a community meals from food that you'd pick there yourself was incredibly important. I can remember the whole family going out and picking corn and picking beans, coming back and shucking the corn and cutting the beans and then canning the beans and, you know, creaming the corn and then everybody sit around and have a meal eating all that uh, and then saving the rest for the rest of the year. Um, so for me, I, I, uh, I get an intense feeling of home from the concept of farm food. Um, so I found this poem. It, it, it touches on it a little bit. It's called From Blossoms by Lee Young Lee. From Blossoms comes... This brown paper bag of peaches we bought from the boy at the bend in the road where we turned out toward signs painted peaches. From laden boughs, from hands, from sweets fellowship in the bins comes nectar at the roadside, succulent peaches we devour, dusty skin and all, and comes with the familiar dust of summer, dust we eat. To take what we love inside, to carry within us an orchard, to eat not only the skin, but the shade, not only the sugar, but the days, to hold the fruit in our hands, adore it, and then bite into the round jubilance of peach. There are days we live as if death were nowhere in the background, from joy to joy to joy, from wing to wing, from blossom to blossom to impossible blossom, to sweet, impossible blossom. You know, that concept of taking the orchard inside of you and just feeling it, I think really, you know, when you've been in the mountains long enough and, and experienced, you know, getting food from the farm and it's part of your culture, you have that sense of an orchard being inside of you. Um, you know, it's it's a memory of, you know, picking strawberries and, uh, you know, off the side of the road, wild strawberries, you know, being in the back of a, like I was even four or five or six years old. My grandfather would put uh, put us kids in the back of a, a little trailer and just take us along an old gravel road through the mountains and along the side of the, the road all the way around was wild strawberries. And so he'd stop every, you know, 10, 15, 20 feet. We'd all jump off and scramble and pick whatever strawberries we can and put them in our little buckets and then jump back on the, on the, uh, on the, uh, um, the 
tra- the, the, the trailer and go a few more feet. And of course, the dust would be, you know, would be shifted up and you'd get a little dust in the, in the, what you picked, but you still ate it. You still ate it and it was sweet and it was just tasted great, even though there was a little dust and maybe even a little dirt. And sometimes there was even a little, <laughs> little bit of bugs in there. But we were six years old, five years old. We didn't care. We just loved that taste. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a wonderful experience. I was going to tell you about some of the, the favorite, uh, favorite uh, traditions of food in the mountains um, that, uh, that, um, that I remember and some that I didn't even know about. All right. There's a, there's a tradition of lettuce and onion salads. Um, and it's, and, you know, you might think that that is sort of a scary name, all right? It's like lettuce and onions, right? But um, it's, it's, a, it's a delicious di- dish. Um, it's a really refreshing starter, and it's something light for a warm day. But you also add in some dry salt cured pork and some, give me some meaty flavor. And then you can have cornbread croutons, which are just, you know, really wonderful. Um, and uh, so it's a, it's a Smoky Mountain tradition, and you don't want to uh, miss that. Um, I think that, uh, you know, there's a um, um, you can you can just you can search lettuce and onions uh, and find a, a salad and find a good uh, recipe online. They're pretty good. Uh, another iconic vegetable dish that's all over the south, um, but is really important in the mountains is collard greens. Um, and, and a lot of people in the mountains swear by doing collard greens and black eyed peas and New Year's. But uh, it's also just a big staple of, you know, every, every family reunion and every, every, uh, every um, um, you know, holiday get-together that we'd have, you'd want to eat these, um, these, these dishes. So collard greens, you don't want to overcook, um, but uh, it's very, it, it, was, it was very important to have uh, as part of the culture of being in the mountains. Um, Another is beef stew. And you know, I have a little bit of a conflict with beef stew because it was also a, uh, a Yankee tradition, which my grandmother on my mother's side was a Yankee. So she was also big in the beef stew. But uh, it's a hearty comfort food that's important uh, in the mountains. Um, and it, it, it's, you know, it, it's about cooking beef with canned tomatoes and stock. And then you take your... Your, your the spare vegetables or vegetables that maybe you didn't use at other times um, or, you know, what didn't get canned or didn't get used to whatever, or just the end of the season vegetables and you throw them in that stew um, and it's, uh, and, it, and, and, and you cook it for a while. And it's really part of a lot of Smoky Mountain meals. There's a, there's a version of it that's not beef stew. And it's, uh, I, I think people call it Brunswick stew. It's a game stew. Where you know it's a similar recipe. You go and uh, you get, at the end of the at the game season, people bring a lot of their game meats. You know, they go in the freezer and pull anything they didn't eat. You know, maybe it's the new season coming up, and you'll throw in rabbit and venison and all sorts of stuff for a while, and then you throw in some vegetables. And uh, you know, these kind of long simmering stews are a real part of uh, a Smoky Mountain cultural uh, tradition, and. Uh, Another thing is beans and cornbread. You know, every day that I went to uh, Rock Hill Elementary School, I would go in and have beans and cornbread for breakfast. Or sometimes I'd have cornbread and milk. But I loved uh, beans and cornbread and cornbread and milk. 
And those were sort of staples of breakfast. And then, you know, to make it lunch, you'd add in some onions, some green onions, and sometimes just sweet onions. Uh, and, uh, and, it, and it just, it, I don't know, it just fills, it fills a real spot. It's a hearty, it's a hearty meal. Uh, and it was, and it was for generations. That's what people eat. Now I don't see it as much around here, but I do know some, some of the old cafes you can go in some of the places like there's, uh, one right of I forty at uh, the Maggie Valley exit. There's a cafe in a in a, uh, in a in a gas station that's been around for a hundred years, and nobody really stops that except the local farmers. But you go in there, you can get the best bowl of uh, 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 beans and cornbread with uh, onions that you ever have. <laughs> um, and then there's something called a dried apple stack cake. Um, which is, uh, it's a, it's a dessert that's created with dried apples and flat cake discs. And you gotta, yeah, you gotta take some pastries, you stack it, you put a lot of, uh, spices in it and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, sorghum and buttermilk, you know, in, in, in the stack cakes. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a, it's a real good mountain delicacy <laughs> in a sense. Um, see where I am. I was expecting a guest to show on today. Um, and uh, I think they're running late. We were going to talk about farm to table food, um, which uh, is, you know, is an important part of uh, our, um, of our culture. Um, but I can mention some things that are, you know, some good places to go to get uh, other kinds of food um, all around the Smoky Mountains. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the favorites in the mountains is old fashioned buttermilk pancakes. And you can get that at a place called the Pantry, uh, a really great version of that, the Pancake Pantry. Um, and it's been serving up since the 1960s. Uh, and it's in uh, it's in the uh, Gatlinburg area. All these I'm going to mention right now, are the Gatlinburg area. Uh, you can get now. You can get some good stuff too. It, it, what you might consider are, are not uh, the best places to go get food, but kettle, uh, you can get some great kettle corn at Dollywood. Uh, and Dollywood has some really great entertainment, but it also has some of the best kettle corn you might get. It's fresh made there, and I, and, you know, it's got that sort of slight sweetness. And kettle corn is a staple around here, and I just recommend it highly. And it's a, you know, of course, you get to go to see a wonderful. Uh, amusement park while you're doing it um another another place is to get pit uh, smoked barbecue and there's several places to do that one is uh, the hungry bear which is in gatlinburg which is a pretty uh, a famous joint it's near gatlinburg and uh and it's uh, it's really great barbecue now a really great place is that in hazelwood North Carolina is part of Waynesville, North Carolina, and it's called the Hazelwood Smokehouse. And it was actually listed as one of the top 20 um, um, uh, barbecue places in the nation. And it has eight different kinds of barbecue sauce, uh, ranging from very spicy to very sweet and all the others in between. And they have different kinds of barbecue. They have pulled pork, which is a North Carolina staple. And then they have uh, briskets and they have ribs that are just unbelievable. Uh, and barbecue is just, uh, you know, a staple of Smoky Mountain tradition. You know, there's a lot of, you'll go around a lot of places, you'll see screened off porches where they have the, the smoking, uh, the smoking, uh, you know, grills and things like that. It's just part of it. Um, corn chowder um, is a great uh, staple to get. 
in the mountains of North Carolina, and you can get one in, uh, in, the, in the Smoky Mountains, and you can get it in. Um, um, you might get it at a place called the Old Mill Restaurant, and that's in Pigeon Forge. Um, and it's um, uh, and it's uh, it's a very rich homestyle uh, uh, porridge sort of thing. It's really uh, full, um, and it's uh, and it, and, it'll, it'll, and it's um, you know, it's a good to accompany things like um, country fried steak and sugar cured ham and, uh, and those other things. So anyway, when we come back, I'll talk to you more about the food in the, uh, the Smoky Mountains. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back for the Gateway to the Smokies podcast. Uh, and I did have a guest, but they have, they're having technical difficulties. So uh, we're going to try and wing through some interesting things. I'm fine. Uh, I could talk about, about food in the mountains. Um, you know, I went to, um, uh, there's a great Smoky Mountains Institute at Tremont, which is a really great uh, uh, um about a resource for venturing in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that they emphasize is that, you know, if you're going to have successful adventures in the mountains uh, and you're, you're hiking and things, you want to make sure that you have really good food when you go with you. You need to keep your energy up. Uh, and so a lot of their staff and people they're associated with have shared uh, their secrets and, uh, and, uh, and uh, and suggestions for favorite foods and snacks when you're doing anything from hiking the backcountry to you just doing a family picnic. So I'm a, I'm gonna mention some of these because some of these are pretty good. Um, Emily Stein, who's a youth programs coordinator, recommends uh, the, the you know that she loves that she loves the the, the food the trail food that uh, um, uh, you know that is fun to create right. And that's new and tasty. So she's got a, she's recommending fried Parmesan grit cakes. You know, grit cakes are, uh, you know, and cheese grit cakes are always a good standard in the mountains. And, um, and so, you know, you can basically fry up some grit and put some cheese on it and some dried tomatoes. And then you can carry and cook it. Um, and there's, uh, and, and then another one is, you know, you know, the good old, uh, uh, raisin, you know, good old raisins and peanuts is always good. And, and throw in some chocolate chips, you know, so you can eat that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So that's a, you know, that that's some secrets to take you. Um, uh, sometimes people actually eat better on the trail than when they uh, when they when they're eating at home. And so you know, you actually you can when you're planning ahead. That's the thing about. Of going and doing something, you got to take food with you. You can plan ahead. You can make a much better meal in terms of uh, um, you know uh, what you're going to take. And so, Aaron Cantor, the manager of the Science of Literary Research, recommends uh, making marinated tempa sandwiches with sautéed kale and cashew cheese, and then you know takes a Tupperware with some kettle chips and throw in some mandarin oranges and or an apple, and of course, always bring bring lots of water. <laughs> I, I, you know that's a different one. That probably wasn't a traditional mountain uh, recipe, 
but uh, it's probably a current one for people adventuring and living here now. Um, you know, you know, there's when you're hiking, you can uh, um, you can uh, get uh, you know you can get a sweet tooth. You can also because you're exercising, you can take advantage of uh, of things you wouldn't normally eat. Like I don't eat candy bars, so. One of the things I would always take is uh, I would think about taking is a Snicker bar because uh, it's you know it's got it's got peanuts it's got uh, caramel it's got uh, uh, you know protein in it um, and it's and it's a good t- thing when you're at, like the culminating moment when you reach that peak you know having something that uh, uh, that rewards you uh, and it's a little bit off your normal path and it's like you haven't had in a long time uh, can be pretty uh, pretty. Uh, pretty enjoyable um there's a there's a sugary snack that luke schutzman who's the teacher naturalist recommends is called chewy sprees now i have a, <laughs> i don't know what is a chewy spree so you guys will have to go figure that one out but i'm assuming it's some sort of uh commercial product that you can buy and it's a very sugary snack um and, uh, and of course, I, you know, a different kind of trail mix that I like, uh, and he recommends as well, is walnuts, almonds, dried cranberries, cranberries, along with dark chocolate. You get those uh, special health benefits from dark chocolates. But, you know, you have to like dark chocolate because milk chocolate can be a little bit, uh, be a little bit more uh, sweet. Um, and then there is a meal that you can make. This is interesting. There's what's he, he calls it the backpacker ramen. All right. So you mix together a pack of spicy ramen uh, with a pouch of tuna, and you and then you have a, a uh, and then you can have that uh, 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 as a warm bowl of soup for the evening. And then you can include bell peppers, onions. Sriracha, scallions, broccoli, chicken, even a fried egg. You, know, you can fry an egg on the trail. It's very possible. Uh, carrots and cheese crackers. Uh, and that makes, that sounds like to me a sort of a decent meal. Uh, you know, being able to make a quick soup is, uh, and those ramen noodles are really good to, you know, be able to carry and stay in a very light in a, uh, in a pack. Um, so, um, um, and, you know, and, and it makes for a great experience. Now, you could also, if you get adventurous and have a little time, you could take some potatoes with you, and then you could cook, boil them, then mash them up and put that in the soup instead of ramen needles. And that's sort of a backcountry shepherd's, uh, shepherd's pie. <laughs> uh, of course, that's a little odd with tuna, but, you know, what the heck. Um, so... Um, Jeremy Lloyd, manager of field programs and collegiate studies, recommends Earl Grey tea and Welsh cakes. Uh, that's an interesting combination, right? Uh, but you know what? Tea it would be a great thing. You know, I like you know it's it's got that calming effect. It uh, you know it can help release the, you know all that adrenaline that you have built up in the evening when you got to go to sleep because you know you know you. you Probably don't get any hot drinks during the day, so you take the time to make one. And coffee would not be the right thing. Um, and uh, and um, and then um, that 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 uh, I think is uh, 
Uh, and then if you're boiling, you know, boiling water is always probably a good idea, except in the mountains here, you can drink the water right out of the spring. So, you know, you can, uh, you don't really have to worry about that. Um, so if you're going on a picnic, the tradition here is always to take country fried chicken and corn on the cob. So if you're taking the family out on the day, then, um, you know, that's what you got to do. You got to do that. Of course, I, I might mix in a little, you know, a little, uh, a little biscuits in that too. You know, so uh, for fried chicken, corn on the cob, and a biscuit. Sounds like I just went to KFC, didn't it? <laughs> but it's a, it is a traditional uh, picnicking thing here in the mountains. Now, if you were taking, going to a family reunion in the, in, in the mountains, it was sort of a picnic. You'd also bring uh, something like, a, uh, you know, a sweet potato pie. You might bring some uh, um, some uh, red velvet cake. You might bring some, uh, you know, some uh, baked beans. Of course, you bring that uh, that uh, that collard greens. You know, so it depends upon the extent of your uh, your your picnic. But uh, fried chicken is a staple of all those kind of events. Um, and uh, now, Joey. Terlizzi, a teacher naturalist, recommends bringing a block of cheese. You don't even need a knife or anything. You just eat it right off the block. Uh, now I, I imagine some people look at you a little bit weird as you're walking a big block of cheese down the wall, down the wall, if you meet some other hikers. But you know what? Sometimes when I go home and I, I see that uh, block of cheese, even when I'm uh, up in New York City, I'll grab it and just take a big bite out of it because I'm hungry. Then I'll slice it off and put it back in the uh, in the refrigerator so my wife don't see it. <laughs> if you're listening, don't worry about it, honey. I'll, I'll not do it anymore. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, Elizabeth Davis, the field program specialist, recommends bread, cheese, apples, and uh, chocolate. That's sort of like uh, the four food groups of backpacking. Did you say more? Uh, I don't know. It's it's a you know, it's a starch. There's a protein. There's a fruit. And there's a sweet. I guess that's all you need, right? And I guess the chocolate has a little fat in. Um, uh, also recommended by Scott Moss as a block a teacher nationalist is a block of cheese. He picks Wisconsin cheddar. Uh, he also recommends Cheez-Its and Snickers. So he's uh, He's, he's on board with the Snickers thing for when you make it to the destination. So that's a, that seems like a good tradition. Um, and uh, finally, Mary Kate Brown, teacher naturalist, recommends uh, uh, a block of cheese. Um, I, I would, uh, I would, I would, you know, I, what I would love to be able to take on a tight hike is ice cream, but I haven't figured out how to do it without being a, without it getting totally melted. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, another th- I thing I like is just leftover barbecue, right? Uh, you could, you know, after you've cooked up the barbecue, you get some leftover barbecue, you wrap it up tight in a grill and take it out. Uh, that's kind of nice too. Um, and listen, I would be amiss if I didn't mention, you know, you want to bring plenty of water, plenty of water, but. When you reach the end of your destination, you might want to have a Snickers bar, but I'd also want a little bottle of wine. <laughs> uh, and there's some good wine now in the mountains. There's a, there's a couple wineries. You know, the Biltmore is the biggest uh, is the biggest visited winery in the world. 
so you go out to the Biltmore States, get yourself some bottles of wine, and then head out to go to some of the hiking trails around there, along with your cheese, your cheese uh, block and your Snicker bar, and you're going to have a hell of a night. <laughs> um, so uh, one of the things you do want to remember is if you're doing anything and you stop anywhere, you want to make sure you bear-proof your food. That means hang it up so they can't get to it, all right? Um, you know, it's, uh, it can be uh, – and don't, don't, don't have the food in your tent if you're, if you're uh, sleeping in a tent because they'll come in there. So it's better to put it in a way so they can't get to it. And it also doesn't put them in your vicinity. Um, so it's always important to remember that when you're, you're in this, this park. So when we come back, we'll see if we got our guests back here or if we can talk about other things happening here in the mountains. Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the uh, Gateway to the Smokies podcast. Uh, and I've been, I've been uh, talking about the various foods and things that you can do in the mountains. Um, and uh, it's been uh, fairly nice. We were going to have a discussion about the uh, farm to table um, experience in the mountains. But uh, uh, our guest is having technical difficulties. So uh, I am talking about various, um, you know, um, various aspects of food in the mountains I can do. I'm not, I'm not an expert, but I'll do my best. Um, what I'm going to look for now is, uh, you know, some, um, some great, uh, uh, you know, uh, farm-to-table restaurants that you can go visit. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a number of them um, in, um, in the mountains here. Um, uh, Asheville has some, Gatlinburg, Sabervilles. Um, there's, I'll, I'll mention some that I'm, I've, uh, I, I'm finding online. And if I recognize any, I'll recognize them. There's one, uh, these are near, uh, these are near Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and it's called the local goat. Um, and it's, um, looks like it's a burgers, American, uh, type food. Um, but it, um, it has a, a high rating and it looks pretty good. Um, the Applewood farmhouse restaurant. I know I've heard of that. Um, and if you have to, if you, it's a great place for breakfast. Um, and it's, it does Southern Appalachian comfort food. Um, there's the Greenbrier, Greenbrier restaurant, um, near, near, near Gatlinburg and it's called, and it's a, a steakhouse. And it also has top tapas and small plates. Oh, uh, there's the Five Oaks Farm Kitchen, um, which is again America traditional, and so it's really it's really featured for breakfast and brunch, um, and it's very farm table. Uh, there's a restaurant called the Appalachian, and it's a steakhouse, uh, Southern steakhouse, um, and it's in the middle of the Smoky Mountains. It's uh, it's in the Gatlinburg area. Um, there's the Old Mill Pottery House Cafe and Grill. Um, it's um, it's uh, it's uh, got bakeries, chocolaters, it's got shops. It's got all sorts of wonderful places to to, to go visit, uh, and it's a grill. Um, there's the Holston's Kitchen, 
which is another steakhouse. Um, seems pretty good. Um, look at some near Seaverville, Tennessee, which is another gateway to the Smokies town. Um, and, uh, there's a place called the barn. Um, and it's, and it's, uh, it's actually at the Blackberry farm. And if you guys haven't heard of the Blackberry farm, it's this huge resort, um, that is a farm resort. And there they do have, uh, a lot of farm table food. They also, you know, um, yeah, I, I think that the, the blackberry cobbler is highly recommended there. Um, so I, I, that one's a, that one's something worth looking up um, because it's a it's a real five star resort. And it's a it's a huge place, and, it, and it's definitely um, you know uh, some somewhere not to miss. Now you know that in the mountains, the Smoky Mountains, we're famous for rainbow trout, and so you can get rainbow trout right off the the grill. That's basically been caught that day um in fact at, the, at my place which i have is the metal art motel in maggie valley we have a place called the uh, um the maggie's uh, uh maggie's uh, maggie valley restaurant right next to us and that restaurant has been around since the, the early 50s it was one of the first restaurants here in the, in maggie valley and what they've been famous for this whole town 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 is fresh trout in fact, they have a big sign on there. It says "Rainbow Trout," and you go there and they grill it up to perfection. Um, but uh, some others, there's one in the, in the Seaverville area called the English Mountain Trout Farm and Grill, and that one's supposed to be a really good, great place to eat uh, trout. You know, and I I like it. Um, you know, grilled. Uh, I like personally to put it. In, you know, I like to put it in a bake it um, with a little lemon in between it. Uh, and light seasoning because it's a very, I, I find it a very delicate fish, but other people like to, to fry it up with a little bit of light breading and that both ways are really, really good. Now in Asheville, um, there is a, um, place called Jargon that I went to last time I was here, which is a really nice restaurant. It's a small, intimate place. And there I had smoked trout, uh, um, uh, um, like a pate uh, that was served on some crackers. And it was really incredibly delicious. And smoked trout here in the mountains is like a, a real delicacy. And you don't want to leave the smoky mountains without getting some smoked trout. You can also get uh, trout roe, which is like a, uh, you know, sort of a, a salmon. I mean, it's sort of like a um, caviar. That's really great on toast. Uh, so you want to be looking for, those kind of things when you come up here, because you can get all that really fresh. You know, we, uh, we at the Meadowlark, we're, we're on a mountain heritage trout farm, a trout stream called the Jonathan Creek. And it's during the winter, during the summers, it's actually stopped. And so it's easy to come here and catch yourself some rainbow trout uh, and then cook it up on a grill that we have here. So if you want to try it yourself, just feel welcome. You can do that in several places in the mountains, a lot of places have fire pits, and they're right on a right on a trout spring, a trout spring, a trout uh, creek, and you can catch it and cook it, and, and really have a nice evening. Um, also near Seaverville is a place called the Dancing Bear Appalachian Bistro, and it's a new American outdoor dining place, um, and uh, it's got a lot of great recommendations. Uh, I, uh, I enjoy the food that we get in, in all these places. You know, and this Asheville area has become a real foodie town. Um, so you're, get, you're getting a lot of mixed 
well, you know, like that jargon place. You know, they're they're really developing a cuisine that's a mix of world, all sorts of world cultures, but with an Appalachian uh, twist to it. Yeah, with an Appalachian base to it. So it takes Appalachian traditional dishes and, and you know, adds in um, a lot of different uh, uh, kinds of, um, uh, of world touches to it. Uh, and, it, it, it uh, you know, those kind of uh, collaborations and fusions are tremendous in my book. You know, that's when I travel around the world, I, I look for fusion. You know, when I remember when I was in Japan, I went to... Uh, a Japanese restaurant that fused Japanese traditional sushi type cooking with French cooking. And I, I can't describe it, but it was incredibly creamy and incredibly fishy and it was really good. Um, so, uh, so those are, uh, those are some, you know, some recommend, recommendations uh, in terms of the, uh, the, uh, the Seaverville area. Um, I was going to look and see if I can tell you some farm to table restaurants, table restaurants in Asheville, because I think that is where it's going really um, to another level in Asheville. Asheville now has like 38 breweries, you know, distilleries, wineries, um, and, you know, um, and it's it's become you you just it's it's probably as 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 good as you can get anywhere on the east coast and in a lot of ways anywhere you can go um there's a there's a great place called Pasana, um which is a is a contemporary farm to table in the heart of downtown's uh Asheville's historic park squares and it serves local seasonal and sustainable cuisine and it's also hundred percent gluten free uh, and they have some great cocktails. By the way, that place Jargon. They, I have to tell you about this cocktail they made. They they made it something that was similar to an old fashioned. I don't remember the name of it, but uh, but it was what was cool is they actually made a, the ice was a round giant giant round ball that was ho- that was hollow with a hole, and they they put the the ice in the glass and they they poured all the mix into that that hollow ice ball, right? And then they brought it up to you and put it on your thing. And then they took out a spoon and they cracked it. Boom. And the ice ball shattered. And then you got to drink the drink. So it was a very dramatic uh, presentation of a drink. And I could tell you, it was really a fabulous drink. I, I guess I'm really selling this jargon place, but you really got to go to it. Um, another, uh, another great restaurant is called the, uh, uh, the Blackbird in Nashville. Um, and it is, it's cooking grounded in the traditions and ingredients of the Carolinas uh, with the modern Southern seasonal farm to table menus. And it has fresh cut catches. So it's got a lot of, uh, of seafood uh, from all over the Carolinas. And it's got micro brews and, and nice wines and, and very inventive cocktails. Uh, the, the one that claims to be the original farm to table, uh, table restaurant is the Marketplace. And it's a, it's a downtown fixture since the 70s. Uh, and it offers a seasonally driven menu featuring organic ingredients from area farms and artisan producers. Uh, and it has extensive wine lifts, craft beer, and cocktails. Um, there's a French bistro called Isis French Bistro. Uh, and it's an executive chef, uh, Peter Crockett, 
and he brings a real culinary finesse to the table. Uh, and it's, it's seasonally inspired French cuisine with a link, local twist, like I said, a fusion, um, which is, you know, I think really great. And it's what's happening a lot around uh, the Smoky Mountains now is that uh, people are, are, you know, are mixing a little bit of world culture into the traditional. And so we're not losing our traditional culture. It's just getting uh, new different uh, flavors. In fact, I'm thinking about bringing fried shrimp to the Metal Art Motel, but it's going to have a uh, it's going to have a Trinidadian twist to it, um, and and multiple sauces that are uh, that are, that come from different mountain cultures of the world. Um, so uh, you know, it's uh, it's uh, you know, it's fun to experiment with your culture and, and mixing with other cultures without getting into appropriation and things like that. Um, they, they have this, this Isa's French Risho has great, uh, uh, dishes like escargot and bone marrow. Uh, you know, it's got steak tartare, scallops au poivre. I can't say it. I'm sorry about that. Uh, steak frites, lamb chops, uh, salad, uh, salad, uh, salmon, niçoise, and duck orange. Um, so, um, I'd go there. There's another restaurant called Homegrown. Um, and it's got locally sourced ingredients. It has, uh, it's got uh, chicken biscuits and cheesy grits and catfish po'boys. Yeah. Po'boys around here are really good. I mean, I know Louisiana is known for them, but people down here really know their comfort food and they've made them pretty good too. Um, there's the corner kitchen, um, which is a Victorian house, which is a very charming historic Biltmore. And it's a breakfast, lunch, dinner, and weekend brunch. It's cool and comfortable. Um, and then there's rhubarb, which is uh, with an award-winning uh, James Beard uh, chef, and it serves farm-to-table New Americans there, uh, and uh, and it pays homage homage to the bounty of regional and American cooking. It has a wood-fired oven and and a, and a grill to complicate the complement the rustic creations. So we'll come back. I'll finish up with some uh, you know, some shout-outs and things coming up. And, uh, and hopefully we've learned a little bit about food and we'll talk more with our, uh, another guest in some future thing about the, the real farm to table, you know, the culture that's going on here in the mountains. Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the Gateway to the Smokies podcast. Uh, and uh, been talking about food, and uh, we had a nice discussion of what I could uh, remember from my past and, and current existence. Uh, I'm going to now tell you a little bit about what's coming up in the area in terms of festivals. Uh, and I'm going to focus uh, on the, uh, you know, the, the Maggie Valley Waynesville area. We're on particularly familiar but there you know the mountains the smoky mountains and all the towns all around the smoky mountains and all of western north carolina basically yes eastern tennessee celebrate their culture um and uh, their culture uh, uh, cherokee culture you know uh, indigenous cultures uh, african culture you know uh, scottish culture german culture there's many cultures that have mingled together here in the mountains to create all sorts of festivals 
There's the Highland Games out in the um, out in the uh, uh, grand, I think Grandfather Mountain area, um, which are Scottish games, and you know Cherokee has lots of different cultural celebrations and festivals. You know they have a lot of fishing festivals. So you know going when you come here, you should look to see what kind of festivals are going on. There's a lot of resources just searching, you know, uh, festivals in North Carolina or festivals in Tennessee or festival in the Smoky Mountains. And you'll come up with a lot of festivals. And, and for the, um, for the, um, for the, uh, for the, uh, you know, for, I, I consider it almost a prerequisite if you're come here to go to at least one festival. And there's all sorts of music festivals and arts festivals uh, and, and, you know, and then there's, you know, uh, there's, there's a road culture is, has been an important part of the Smoky Mountains, uh, since its beginnings, really, it's, it's one of the largest parks. It's the most visited national park it's within, uh, you know, range of a large amount of population. It's like eight to 12 million people. You could consider you've got Nashville and Asheville and, and, and Atlanta. And so, you know, the west eastern part of North Carolina, you got Alabama, you got Georgia, you got yeah, North, uh, you know, South Carolina, all within you know, a half day's driving distance to the Smoky Mountains. It makes it a, a, a highly visited place. Ironically, though, it's maintained a lot of wilderness. So it's got both the um, you know, the excitement of a tourism area, but then you can lose yourself in, in, uh, in, you know, into the wilderness and, you know, and, and, uh, peacefulness. Um, so I want to mention, and so road culture, people coming and going from the mountains and then utilizing their vehicles to explore it is, is a very important part because we have a lot of wonderful winding roads and back roads and gravel roads and some you don't even know about. I just discovered one that they were telling me about. And I'll put, I don't remember the name of it right now, but it starts uh, near Maggie Valley at the end of Balsam Road. And it's a road that it's a, like a 28 mile road, but it, uh, it takes like uh, two hours to go to it. And you end up in, in Cherokee and it's a winding road. And they show me pictures and it's beautiful. Um, and it's essentially one way on a gravel road, but you drive it. People take their Jeeps or their cars and things on this. And this happens in a lot of places. Um, and so, uh, you know, road culture is important. That's why there's so many, you know, vintage and chic motels in the mountains, motel resorts, which the Metal Arc is a motel resort because people, you know, are driving, want to stop, um, you know, stay the night and then move on to experience something else, and it, you know. Um, and that's, uh, that's still part of it. So I'm going to mention some of the road events coming up. Um, we have uh, on June 11th and 12th at the Maggie Valley Festival Grounds. And you can go to maggievalleyfestivalgrounds.com to find out about this. And most of these events happen every year. So if you're listening to this in some future time, it's, uh, it's probably happening again. We have the Western North Carolina Jeep Fest. Jeeps, groups of Jeeps traveling around has become very popular, and they have a whole culture of uh, Jeeps. And uh, I was I saw some of the stores recently. They got Jeep uh, little sections where people can buy Jeep uh, T-shirts and Jeep hats, uh, and it's a real sort of solid community. Uh, and so they're going to have a, a festival uh, uh, benefiting an Askable, uh, uh, um, an animal rescue foundation, and there's going to be vendors and lots of usually great food. 
Uh, they're gonna have a show and shine competition. Uh, they're gonna, they're also gonna um, you know have you know uh, you know um, some uh, some uh, some uh, entertainment. They're gonna have um, you know you're also welcome to bring your pet pets things like that. Um, now the next weekend, June seventeenth and nineteenth. They're going to have the Maggie Valley Swap Meet Camaro and Firebird Show. Now, Swap Meet is where people come and they swap parts, sometimes swap cars. They come, you know, to do some uh, old-fashioned horse trade. Uh, so it's got that sort of old, uh, you know, uh, meeting of the, at the crossroads uh, uh, flavor to it, where people come to, you know, uh, do a little horse trade and exchange anything. But again, they'll have things set up to make it enjoyable for the whole family. You know. Uh, they usually, you know, they usually will do things like celebrate veterans or have some music. They'll have some, you know, some, uh, you know, places to go, um, you know, go do a little, to see arts and crafts or shops or, you know, or any, any number of things. And then you're right in the middle of Maggie Valley. So you can go and walk around. There's wonderful gift shops and, and souvenir shops and restaurants and things to go experience. So it's easy to walk up and down Maggie Valley. It's like a two-mile flat sidewalk. You can visit all sorts of things. Now, the weekend after that is June 25th and 27th, and we have Thunder and the Smokies Motorcycle Rally. It's the oldest and largest motorcycle rally in Maggie Valley, and it's like a it's like a three day event. And they have they have tour rides and vendors and bike shows and games and prizes and concerts and fire dances and you know the latest bikes and products and and stuff and you know it's 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 an elaborate event it's worthwhile coming to um and uh, and that's a that's a big one hey now july 4th we're having our fireworks celebration it'll actually be on july 4th on the sunday of july 4th so come for the weekend and then culminate your uh weekend with a big fireworks display and you know, this county actually has like four or five different fireworks displays. Waynesville will have a big event the night before, so it's a great place to come and celebrate the the, uh, the holidays. And of course, they're going to have you know uh, play, they're going to have uh, you know all sorts of things, balls and hula hoops and games and you know and uh, and, and other things like that. There, uh, we do have an arts and fa- arts and crafts festival in July 10th and 11th here in Maggie Valley. Um, so, uh, and artists from all over the southeast come to sell handmade arts and crafts items. I recommend it highly. That weekend, we're also having an event here, um, you know, the, on, the, on the 9th and 10th. Uh, it's a plot fest weekend. And plot fest is, uh, you know, is uh, celebrating the, the state dog of North Carolina, which is, a, which is one of the first hunting dogs um, brought to America. It's, uh, um, and it uh, was a bear dog. And so, and then the, uh, and then soon after that, we're going to have a, a wonderful concert and everything else. So you can go to MaggieValleyFestivalGrounds.com to see that, or you can go to MetalArcMotel.com to see all sorts of great events that are coming up. Now I want to um, mention, um, uh, do the shout-outs now. So, um, you know, when you, um, I want you to uh, imagine a place evocative of motor courts of the past yet modern and vibrant with a chic Appalachian feel, a place for adventure and for relaxation. Imagine a place where you can fish in a mountain heritage trout stream, grill the catch on a fire, and eat accompanied by fine wine or craft beers. 
Imagine a place with old-time music and world cultural sounds. There is no other place like the Meadowlark Motel of Maggie Valley. Your Smoky Mountain adventure starts with where you stay. A sponsor is Smoky's Adventure. Now, that's plural Smoky's singular adventure, smokiesadventure.com. The emphasis of Smoky's Adventure is outdoor recreation, along with providing information on lodging, family entertainment, events, conventions, honeymoons, and more. The goal is to become the, the leading information portal of the Smoky Mountains. You can find more about this podcast at Gateways to the Smoke, Gateway to the Smokies.fun or Facebook.com slash face, uh, Gateway to the Smokies podcast. We're on the talkradio.nyc network, uh, which is a live podcasting station whose mission to empower, inspire, uplift, and educate a worldwide audience. Uh, after this show is uh, one about New York and exploring New York. I recommend you listen to it, and it's a worthwhile show. I'll see you next week with another great guest uh, on Gateway to the Smokies podcast. Thank you.